All right, Hallers, let's get Hallin. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com. And don't forget to rate and review us. Five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, I will casually shoot a rail rifle round over your head and ruin your favorite piece of art. Wow. That's probably not as expensive (laughs) as Quicksilver's, but you'll still be upset about it. And you will lose your hearing for a few moments. It's going to be tough. And now, how Pod. Severo, stop wanking off in the shadows and come down. We have tea. I hate tea. It's just coffee with piss instead of coffee. Hello, Howlers. Welcome to HowlerPod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the Fantastic Red Rising Saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow. I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. Aaron, what are we talking about today on the podcast? Dark Age chapters 25 through 30. I'm glad we're not doing chapter 31 today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for that. Get a one-week reprieve We could on just that. stop here <laughs> yeah, we really could we could all be like generally happy yeah we've got several back <laughs> yeah. which is all i really care about <laughs> that's true everyone's like pretty much alive you know yeah it's not bad we only lost like orion at this point and and like she had metal fingers <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> was having a pretty tough time. She's having she's mentally. doing geometry, so <laughs> yeah. like no one needs that. <laughs> All right. Well let's figure out what happened in these chapters and load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully we don't shit all suits. Chapter twenty five, Virginia Oligarchs. Virginia sits in a room with the 30 silver trillionaires of the Zenith Ring, along with Quicksilver and his floating orb bodyguard. After the Silvers propose some outrageous taxes for Virginia's vote, she pulls the whole, I'm indifferently eating my apple with my feet up on the table routine before firing an anti-tank rail rifle round into some very expensive artwork and effectively deafening all in the room except Quicksilver. She tells them the answer to their extortion is no. Chapter 26, Virginia, the Goblins Pray. So Severo beheaded the Duke of Hands. Good job, honey! (laughs) He's the syndicate's chief assassin. Uh, he's been cutting his way through the syndicate ever since he got back to Luna and now has multiple bounties on his head. He's basically the most wanted man in the solar system, pretty much. Dead or alive. <laughs> <laughs> man, you were asking for it. Uh, Virginia and Holiday fly to meet Theodora and the new prize she captured, our good old friend, the Duke of Hands. He's got super sexy... By the way... 
I thought for sure he died. He was pretty fucked the last time we saw him when Gorgo literally shot him. You know, that's a good point. Gorgo shot the Duke of Hands to shoot through him to shoot Ephraim. And he's a frail little baby boy. He's And he got his nose broken and like Ephraim could have killed him by punching him in the face. I think it must have got some yellows to him pretty quickly. I'm surprised he's alive. I, that's pretty surprising too, actually. <laughs> now that you say it, I didn't even, I didn't even cross my mind. We're like, oh, he's back. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, our friend, the Duke of Hands, he's got super sexy perfume powers that overwhelm most people except for Virginia and her OG conquer superior genetics. Uh, the Duke tries to seduce Mustang, but his tricks don't work on her. She re-enters the chamber and uses the psycho spike to reset the Duke's memories. She repeats conversations back to him, um, training the device to read the Duke's brain patterns and predictive behavior. Then the lights go out. The goblin has arrived. <laughs> Is that a cackle? <laughs> That's something. <laughs> <laughs> That's something. <laughs> Chapter 27, Virginia Pack. Severo drops in from the rafters to speak with Virginia, Holiday, and Theodora. He's come for the Duke. They talk about Darrow and their missing children and Mustang's plan to save the free legions while Severo is bouncing around Luna making a mess for her. Mustang scolds Severo and the present howlers for being in dereliction of duty. Mustang tries to get Severo to tell her where her son is, but Victor told him not to and he's whipped. Big time. Big time. (laughs) I would be too. It's okay, Severo. Mustang, being smarter than everyone, spells out exactly what is going on with the kids, Victra paying Sefi ransom, and all of that. Severo seems relieved to not have to keep the secret, and Mustang spells out her plan with Sefi and the Obsidians, and she demands that Severo stop wanking off in the bushes and report for duty. His howlers then drop from the rafters one by one to show that they concede. Severo snaps a salute. Mustang orders the Imperator to enter the interrogation cube to turn on the Psycho Spike program, and if the Duke remembers his eye color, then to shoot him in the head. He enters. The Duke freaks out in terror. Severo activates the program, and images flash by, including one very juicy one involving our friend, Dancer, and then... The Duke slumps in the chair. He doesn't remember his eye color. Chapter 28, Ephraim Karachi. Ephraim is struggling with teaching the Skoogie. The language barrier is causing a lot of problems. He realizes he can show them things and they will pick it up quickly, but telling them something doesn't work at all. Pax comes down to check on his progress, and him and Ephraim are quickly becoming, you know, buddy-buddy. Ephraim had pulled some strings with Sefi. And got Pax some garage time so he can work on a graph bike. So Pax is all happy about that. Uh, Pax then suggests to Ephraim that he turn his lessons into games. Ephraim is trying to teach the Skoogie to lie, but they suck at it. So going with Pax's suggestion, he decides to teach him to lie using Karachi, which is kind of like poker, basically, or something like that. Um, It goes well, and the Skoogie learn a thing or two about lying and gain respect for Ephraim in the process. Ephraim tells Pax he's a good egg because he hasn't asked Ephraim to break him out yet. Pax then asks if he could, and Ephraim tells him 
It's always good to have an insurance policy. Insurance, my man. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 29, Virginia. The Dust of Reverie. Virginia is at Selene Manor, and the Pachelbels are singing outside. Fuck those birds. Bad news. Fucking spy birds. She has uh, used Deanna to create a meeting with Dancer. He shows up and is initially pissed, but Deanna makes him stay. Several appears, Severo appears, and they tell Dancer the truth about Pax and Electra. Then Severo and Mustang present their findings from the Duke of Hands interrogation, a.k.a. some sex involving Dancer and the Duke of Hands. Not a great look, Dancer. Not a great look for Dancer. (laughs) Dancer is like pissed, like scary pissed, to the point where Severo's like, whoa, dude. (laughs) Because at first he thinks they're blackmailing him for being gay, since reds aren't cool. But they are, no, like, dude, chill. The Duke of Hands is why we're pissed. We don't (laughs) give a shit who you're fucking. (laughs) Dancer didn't know that the guy was the third in line. Is that right? To Mm -hmm. the syndicate queen? Mm -hmm. Oops. Come on, Dancer. (laughs) You're like second in line (laughs) to the sovereignty. Mustang explains that she thinks it's all a play by Atalantia and that the incorruptible Publius is allied with the syndicate queen. Which, when I read that, by the way, I was like, oh, she knew? Mm -hmm. She fucking knew? Yeah, she figured it all out. I didn't remember that she knew. Yeah. And they were uh, possibly going to use Dancer as the fall guy for the whole thing. Publius telling Mustang he would vote for helping the freed legions was a trap. Dancer, who really hates all things society, now knowing they were behind all of this, agrees to rejoin his sovereign. He finds his patriotic heart again, and he says that uh, she will have his votes and they will rescue the free legions. Yeah, so what happens is like Mustang has figured out everything that the syndicate coin was planning. Except for the poison. Except for the patchel bells over here, like all of this. So they're basically like spying on this meeting. Uh. So then they figure out that Mustang's figured them out and then they fucking pull a double. Just kill everyone. Yeah, reverse. Great. <laughs> fucking birds <laughs> that takes us to chapter 30 virginia ocular sphere mustang severo daxo and kavax and sophocles also are all just they're chilling up out by the ocular sphere uh just before the senate is gathering to vote the people are gathering and it's about to happen everybody's saying their final words before they go Severo's going to head out to new tokyo to take out the syndicate queen Kavax, he gives Mustang a great speech about uh, how much he believes in her and how much she deserves this day. And it is just (laughs) incredibly moving. (laughs) It's so bad. He's like, you deserve this day. And I'm like, not this day. (laughs) It's it's really bad. She doesn't deserve this day. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, Daxo is chilling, watching the whole thing. And he's thinking about his dad. And he's like, my dad's really great. Maybe I should be a dad. And it's also very sad. And then everybody says their goodbyes and they head out to the Senate vote. And that's the end of this week's <laughs> chapters. That See, we told you it'd end happy. Yeah, yeah. This is <laughs> gonna be I think this is about the last point where 
you're going to be happy for the rest of the book, probably. Yeah, so buckle up, Buttercup. We've got about 60 chapters left, I believe. Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. So get ready for some fun. But first, let's talk about today's theme. What is the theme for these chapters? Communication. Wow. Very important. What are we going to do? Communicate. <laughs> Mustang says it herself. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of communication going on, and Mustang is, like, working her allies. She's figuring stuff out. She's bringing people back in to the fold. She'd be uh, the champion at any debate challenge, yeah. even if she hadn't researched the yeah. subject. She's just making major plays here. Like, she's kicking the Silvers out, knowing that eventually they'll probably come back to her. She also knows, like, the coppers are going to betray her, so she's got to get dancer back in the fold and she's also bringing steps like gotta get Severo under control because he's causing all kinds of problems get Severo and Victor back in the fold so she achieves all this through her fantastic communication and being smarter than everyone also helps <laughs> that's always good so first off we have Mustang to the Silvers so this is right after she shoots the gun and they can't actually hear her but she's like send him a recording <laughs> yeah that's pretty good she says my good men Today is not a day for extortion. Today is the day for patriots. You should ask what you can do for our distressed republic. Instead, you present it with demands. Instead of rallying votes to help your comrades, you jockey for gain. I look at Qu Quicksilver. I asked for a private meeting, and he ambushed me with this, as I knew he would. What hesitation I had is now gone. The deck must be reshuffled. I softened my tone for him. There was a time when two men stood against tyranny, Fitchner, Albarca, and you. Where did that man go? My answer to your extortion is no. That rhymed. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, saying You're rhyming. You're shooting guns. Yep, and Quicksilver is like being real jerky about this entire thing. And at we first. still don't know why. We yeah. assume he's like making a robot army. Right. And maybe he knows where Mickey is. She knows she's up to something, but um, she can't figure it out. So that's one of the few things that Mustang doesn't know at this point is like what the fuck Quicksilver's up to. But it's, you know, if she knew, then we would know. And we have to have some mysteries. Right. So she's got to communicate this idea to the Silvers that it's not all about you guys. Like, at some point, we all got to come together here. Yeah, and stop stealing money from everyone. Right. They're just, like, draining the Republic dry. Yep. And then it's also, like, a strategic play coming up. And sh that kind of is what she explains in our next quote here. Um, so she's walking out the door, and Quicksilver's like, Remember, we built this republic, us, not we you. Built this city. <laughs> Virginia, don't be a fool. Come back and be reasonable. You need us. Mustang says, That's what you failed to understand. There's no scarcity principle at play here, good man. You taught me better than anyone. Where there's need, a silver will always appear. It doesn't have to be you. Wow. That's some rough talk with old Quicksilver there. Right. And she's like, sorry, buddy. You're not the father <laughs> of the rising anymore. Yeah. Like, right. now you're just this old rich guy that's just getting richer and richer, hopefully to build a robot <laughs> army, because we really need a robot <laughs> army. I'm just saying we could use some helpful robots. Yep. He's being a little sneak. 
hopefully it turns out to be a good sneak that saves the day. Yes. So after she communicates this shit to Quicksilver and tells him, this is what's up, bro. You do this. I'm tired of your shit. I'll leave you behind if you don't get on board. And she just, wa- I love the, be- the best part is she just walks out without even like well, she counts waiting for an answer. She counts five, four, three, two, one, and yeah. then walks away, which I don't know a lot about kids, but I'm pretty sure you're supposed to enforce the rules right. at one. <laughs> when you hit one, that's when you get spanked. <laughs> I didn't see any spanking, but we'll I see. I think that's what she's doing. She's like, her walking out is her, her punishment. Okay. Um, yeah, so that takes us to our next set of quotes, which is Mustang talking to our friend, the Duke. And so here she's kind of manipulating the communication between the two of them to really fuck with the Duke's head. Basically, she's just... Like literally fuck with his head yeah. with a psycho spike. Yes. So this quote is coming out of when she's just finished what he's been saying for the first time. And it says, he's dumbstruck, not understanding how I could possibly predict his little soliloquy. The Duke says, have we met before? And Mustang says, wouldn't you remember? He considers the question, his mind stumbling over the gaps I made in his memory. He shakes his head. It's working. (laughs) Yes. So this is a different kind of communication. This is a scientific experiment communication. Right. Yep. And she's just like manipulating communication with the Duke over and over again, using the psycho spike so that she can basically you know fuck with all his memories and stuff and take them out reprogram him as an agent i was thinking about that you know because this made me think about like she gave them to or she gave the duke of hands to theodora to like set up as a secret agent right but then theodora like gets like you know squished squished (laughs) like mario bowser castle style and pew, pew, pew. whatever happened to the Duke of Hands after that, he's probably just lost, has no idea who he is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like he's like <laughs> skipping through <laughs> through a field of daisies, just like I had a great childhood. <laughs> yeah. Nobody tortured me. <laughs> I'm sure if he, uh, if he is lost, I'm sure the syndicate will find him. Mm, that's probably a good call. Um. But maybe he's still in this little cage. You're worried about him? <laughs> Not really. I guess I shouldn't be. He's a terrible person. Well, now he's a new person. That's true. Uh, so then, of course, Severo enters. Best part of these chapters and the whole book. This is the best <laughs> part of the whole book. It's just Severo getting to say funny shit. That's what we all love about Severo. We just need more funny shit Severo and not mind warped Severo. Yeah, he does come into the game just like, you know, make like five threes in a row. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty great. That was a basketball reference? <laughs> it's a basketball okay. reference. I was like, totally. He totally <laughs> did the thing with the threes. He's just coming in. He's shooting from the top. Baskets. Just, yeah. He's making everything. Swishing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Mustang communicating with Severo expertly. She says, I know why Victra went to Mars. She's going to pay the ransom. He stopped short of the interrogation cube's door. Victra wouldn't go to Mars unless our children were there, and you wouldn't dare attack the syndicate if they still had them, so they don't. Mustang uh, explains then, I won't read the whole thing, that there's four possibilities of who has the kids, 
The only logical answer, of course, is a fourth party. So Mustang goes on to say, taking into consideration the curiously timed pilgrimage Sefi has taken to Earth. Oh, she knows about that? <laughs> and the overabundance of evidence supporting her existence there. I know she is not on Earth, nor is she with the Obsidian fleet heading opposite Mars's orbit toward the belt under auspices of chasing Obsidian pirates. She is on Mars, awaiting Victor's ships and possible further aid in stealing Quicksilver's helium mines in Samaria. Severo has gone very still. His eyes flick to Pebble. Mustang says, look at me. No one betrayed you. This is simply what I do. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Severo's like, who the fuck told her? Because she can't know all this. And she just knows it. Yep. I like what you said right before you read the quote where you said she expertly communicates this because this is exactly what she needs to say to Severo to unlock him. To you unlock know? him. <laughs> you know, like, really, it's like... She needs to unlock Goblin, right. reinstate Arch Imperator. Exactly. She like needs to. This is exactly what she needs to do to get him to see that he's not going to like betray Victra if he starts helping out Mustang. And Victra is obviously super pregnant, <laughs> little emotional, <laughs> yeah. flying off the handle, not listening to anyone. Yeah, she's already prone to do that anyway. Right, and yeah. then both she and Severo are just going around trying to be sneaky, but like obviously not sneaky enough. Right. They're very, you know, they're very passionate. The two of them, they're fiery. They ma- they don't always make decisions with their head. And this is why we need Mustang in our lives. Yes. <laughs> and this is why Aaron and I are always advocating for everyone to just listen to Mustang. <laughs> That's what Mustang's advocating for. She's like, I'm sick and tired of being the smartest person here. <laughs> exactly. So I love that she's just like, okay, let me tell Severo exactly what he needs to hear. We'll get Severo back in the fold. And then, of course, all the howlers are listening, Mm -hmm. which is why the next quote works. She says to Severo, you are in a democracy, Barca. The people chose me as sovereign. They chose me to lead. Until my term or life comes to an end, I am in command. If you want to abandon the republic we built to play with your kids, fine. Slag off and wait for the mushroom clouds. But if you want to be part of it, get your head out of your ass, stop making my life difficult, and report for duty. And then all the howlers, one by one, drop down from the ceiling. That's a pretty dope part. Which would be a cool <laughs> yeah. scene to see. <laughs> and then Severo snaps a salute and says, Imperator, Barca, and Howler First Cohort reporting for duty, Mom. Yeah! <laughs> That's definitely like a scene from a movie. I know. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is <laughs> extremely cinematic writing right there. And and yeah, that's just like if I didn't know what was coming after this, I would just be like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, We're like, it's not that amazing. <laughs> yeah, but no, this is all just going this to result in sadness. This is a little teeny sadness. tiny light in a very, very dark book. Yeah, I'm trying to think about this like in the way that I did when i first read it like when i was like you had hope yeah i think this was an extremely exciting part for me like you you didn't know that pierce was gonna be like (laughs) just kidding (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) and it just shows like shows so much about mustang shows so much about several like we already we know that mustang 
is like she's the chess master and she's just made another great move right here. And um, now we've kind of got Severo who can be kind of blinded in his rage sometimes. We've got him thinking and seeing clearly again. And we've got the Howlers back on board. It's just like this is a huge moment. And also what we know of Severo is he's the type of guy who goes rogue, but then he like wants to come home. He wants to be welcomed back into the fray. So you can see relief on him here. Like, okay, we were spiraling out of control. I'm just running around killing everybody. Yep. Like no real plan. And then Mustang's like, here's the plan. Right. So you can tell he's relieved that someone is steering the ship. Yeah, that's a huge part of it. He needs that like that focus, that direction because sometimes he can get a little lost and then also he just thinks he needs to like continually prove himself or he's got to prove himself to other people in this case like Victor or something like that. And so there's multiple mentions throughout these chapters just like how much of a softy Severo actually is. And we're seeing that here is like she basically kind of appealed to him in an emotional way and was able to bring him home because of that. So that's awesome. Uh, and then it goes on to quote that Aaron had said earlier, Severo's seen the clip or not the clip, but like the projection the memory flash. Yeah. The reverie of um, the Duke of hands. And so he knows that dancer and Duke of hands got it on. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's gross. Sorry. Got it out. <laughs> Um, and so he says, how long have you known about Dancer? Mustang says, less than an hour. And what does my sovereign propose to do with the traitor? Isn't it obvious? Communicate. Communicate. Wow. That's like that fits in directly with our theme today. How? See, she even knew that. <laughs> she knew the theme. She is so, <laughs> so smart. She's smarter than all of us. Is she like, are we puppets? <laughs> So that's what we're going to do with Dancer. We're not going to peel him apart, Severo. We're going to talk to him. We're going to see if he knew that he was sleeping with the Duke of Hands, yes. which he clearly didn't know. Yes, and we know that Severo jumps to conclusions um, as far as him like being a traitor because he kind of admits to it. Uh, Mustang is the one who's kind of like, yeah, we need to talk about this first. Right. So there's somebody else that's also... Working on his communication skills in these chapters. Ephraim. And that's our boy Ephraim. By the way, the only person that I love more than Ephraim is Severo. <laughs> so he's like Severo, Ephraim, what, the Mustang? In terms of like funny, lovable pieces of shit. <laughs> Fair, yeah. It's really a Severo, Ephraim one, two. Yeah. Yeah. Pup one, pup two. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he's talking about training his Scoogie. There's a language barrier, obviously, so that's like a direct... Communication <laughs> problem. <laughs> yeah, direct communication problem right there. But he does say that you can show them something, and he kind of talks about that, that they're really good. They catch on really quickly. So he says you only have to show them something once. Telling them something, on the other hand, is like trying to push a whole handful of sand through an ear canal. You lose right about 90% of it. And then that's when Pax makes a suggestion about making the lessons into games. Oh, is Pax good at communicating? Because, you know, I heard that his mom was also good at communicating. Pax is a freaking baller and very, very smart. I'm just. He's like, he's almost as creepy smart as Lysander, you know? Yeah. 
Or maybe he's more smart than he's, Lysander. He's on a Lysander level of but weird smartness and like precociousness. Weird, weird young, yeah. like dressing you down with their <laughs> intelligence. I don't think I like smart children. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I prefer it's my kids to be stupid and ignorant. Right. Anyways, what does Pax say? He like tells Ephraim that he needs to make his, make his lessons into games. And then we see Ephraim take that advice and just turn it directly into a teaching moment when he uh, brings out the Karachi cards and, and talks about the game with all the obsidians. And that earns him a bunch of like respect from them because it allows them to like earn some of the money back they've all lost from their the war hordes. Yeah. yeah. Previously playing Karachi because they're bad at it. They're yeah. Yeah. They're losing all their money and all their uh, reciprocity payments basically that they got for leaving the ice and yeah. now they're poor again. And Pax does a great job too of not telling Ephraim exactly what to do, but like, you know, very much hinting right. him in the right direction. Yeah, he uses like an example of like Osgard always turns his lessons into games with Pac. Yeah. And then we move on from Mars back to Luna with this is when we have the meeting with Dancer. Deanna is the one who lured him there and they obviously have a long history. They've been friends for a very long time. But they're not married. They're even not though the front of the book says that. It does? <laughs> yeah, you didn't know about that. I kind of vaguely remember. It says they're married. Yeah, it, def- it says like Deanna, wife of Dancer or something like that. Or maybe it's the other way around. Damn. Yeah. That's not right. Yeah, it's it's they said Obviously it was a, Dancer They said it was a mistake, yeah. Likes men. <laughs> and Deanna was married to what, Arlo? What was his name? Dale. Dale. I cannot get over the fact that Daryl's dad's name is Dale. Dale. <laughs> Dale of Lycase. <laughs> it's, it's not a great name. <laughs> Dale. Sorry, any Dales out there. Seriously. (laughs) Dale. I might have to cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just like hero of the entire solar system. His dad's name is Dale. Son of Dale. What what do you want his dad's name to be? I don't know. (laughs) Darrow. David. Darrow Senior. (laughs) (laughs) David. That's the same as Dale. When I think of Dale, I just think of like an auto mechanic. I guess that works out pretty well for... That's exactly what... That's exactly, what <laughs> 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 Maybe exactly I just who need to look is. Maybe I need to look inward here. And you do. realize that I have some Dale prejudice, maybe. Seriously. <laughs> what, isn't Dale one of the chipmunks or something? Yeah. Chip and Dale. Rescue <laughs> Rangers. <laughs> Look who's singing now. Okay, anyways, so Dancer is with Deanna, and then Mustang walks in, and Dancer gets pissed because he realizes that he's been set up. So Dancer says to Deanna, Since when did you stoop to politics, Deanna? She says, Don't be a bloody damn idiot, either of you. You've been like two bickering hands. It's embarrassing. Now sit. So mommy's talking. And the kids have to listen. Mm-hmm. So Dancer plops back down. And this is where he communicates with Mustang. 
and where they almost figure out a plan until they're being spied on. Why doesn't anyone know they're being spied on? They have technology. I don't know. You think they would have some better safeguards for that type like of thing. You're right. Have they not checked out these birds that are everywhere and are creepily always by windows? Robot birds. You know, have you heard about this whole thing about birds are not real? They needed that information up there on Luna. You haven't I seen that whole social media thing about birds not being real? Birds are real. Birds are not real. Okay. I'll send you some info on it. Okay. <laughs> I, I had multiple pet <laughs> birds growing up. They were robots. I'm sorry to tell you. They definitely weren't because they definitely <laughs> died <laughs> multiple times. Anyways. Anyway, I'll send you some birds aren't real stuff. But they Is that what you're into this week? No. <laughs> but it's just a funny thing on the internet. They needed that campaign up in on Luna. Apparently. Yeah. So, yeah, they communicate. Dancer sits down. Thanks, Deanna. She makes a big pot of stew. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you're going to eat this stew, and you're going to work this out. You're going to shut the fuck you're up. You're going to communicate with each other, because that's this week's Cause, theme. Because that's what mom <laughs> says. <laughs> and then uh, moving on to what Mustang says to Dancer. Yeah, so she's revealed that Pax and Electra were actually kidnapped by the syndicate. And Dan Dancer's like, okay, so who's compromised in this situation? Uh, or which one of you is compromised? Because it's their two kids missing. And Mustang's like, I'm not the one who's compromised. She's like, <laughs> That's got to feel good, though. Like, yeah. like, I know you think I'm the dumb one here. Yeah. Just wait for it. She says, I'm not the one who's compromised. I've long suspected that the syndicate queen was working for or in conjunction with another party, possibly within our government. Thanks to Theodora and a new method of interrogation. That's what we're calling that. Like, that's like a new method of mind fucking. She says, I've uncovered evidence. Mm. So she shows him the evidence. And then Dancer, this is when he has that like... He starts like foaming at the mouth. Yeah, like a visceral reaction. And we'll kind of get into that. Because uh, you do learn something about Dancer in that moment. So I do like how hurt Mustang is by that though. <laughs> she says, he thought I was threatening to expose his inner life. Knowing he thought uh, me that cruel is a jarring blow. Severo is there to pick up the slack. He says, you really ain't got a clue. It ain't about that, boyo. Dancer looks ready to kill. He says, then what is it about? <laughs> uh, Severo says, just the man you were, you know, playing hide the viper with <laughs> <laughs> is third in line to the throne of the syndicate. That's all, I swear. <laughs> and then Dancer's like, what? What? And, and so then they kind of explain the situation. Uh, but yeah, we learned that dancers like he was gelded by Reds because he was gay, and so he's got a lot of just like pent up fear and rage about that situation. Obviously, as anyone would, and then also like Reds are the only prejudiced color because they were yes, they were brainwashed that into yes, being that way by the society, and so he's like very resentful for golds like that because he thinks his people are good that they would be good and they would have it in them if they were not programmed by the society to be hateful towards gay people so that's like a huge moment we learned something about dancer i love also that mustang's like 
oh man, he thought I was that cruel. That kind of tells you something about the way Dancer sees golds no matter what. Yeah, even Mustang. Yeah. Who he's very close with. Yes. He could still think that she would like take such a personal jab against him as a way as like a political tool in this situation. As yeah, as like blackmail. So then after they communicate and talk it all out, mm-hmm. Dancer goes on to say, Got a lot of hate in me. Got a lot of fear that you won't ever understand, but none of it's for you, Virginia. We'll disagree again soon. I'm damn sure of that. No, you won't, because you're going to be dead. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But if our enemies think we will devour each other, nah. Today, my sovereign is the Lionheart, and tomorrow, she will have my votes. We will rescue the free lesions. Huzzah! Will you? (laughs) (sighs) Too bad the fucking birdies. I know. This is Dancer kind of... Not apologizing, but explaining kind of where he's coming from a yeah, little he, more. And this then is basically the end of him telling that kind of story about himself. Right. Yeah. And then he's uh, pledging himself to vote with Virginia to save the free legions. So through communication and being smarter than everyone, Mustang has gained multiple votes this uh, in these chapters. Right. She's pretty much at this point outmaneuvered. Publius and the syndicate and in turn Atalantia. Too bad everyone gets foamy at the mouth and dies. Right. So that's this week's theme of communication. Remember to communicate with your friends and your enemies. That takes us to our next segment. Who died today? Just the Duke of Heads. Yeah, we never even met this guy until he was already ahead. And that's it. You could say... He lost his head <laughs> when he met Severo. And then wasn't like a mermaid eating him or something? I think it's just a bunch of fish. And he was like... He's like in a mermaid he's tank. He's on top of a mermaid or something. I don't know. I don't know how that worked. Well, his body was eaten, but then his head was somehow out of the water. Like attached to a mermaid statue? No, no. There was an actual mermaid in this scenario. Oh, there was a real mermaid? Yeah. Really? But, like, I think he was, like, in the tank. Oh, okay. That's pretty weird. I was thinking it was a mermaid statue or something. I don't know. I see mermaids all the time, so maybe I'm just I mean, it would make sense that there would be a mermaid in there. It would make sense. Was it Ariel? Anyways, (laughs) that brings us to our prime five, which is five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. Guess who's back? Back again. Severo's back. Tell a friend. <laughs> so obviously one of our prime fives is Severo because he's fucking hilarious. He smells bad. He <laughs> likes coffee. I like coffee. And we're just going to, I think, read some of his best lines. Well, one of the uh, funnier parts is when Mustang is thinking about him coming back and she's kind of giving us the rundown of him coming back to Luna and telling us about all his deeds at this point. And she, <laughs> she's like, bravo, Severo. Your wrath is so legendary. That's all she's like thinking to herself. Well, she <laughs> says that when he has cut the Duke of Heads head right, off. Right, right. Your wrath is so legendary. <laughs> like, you're ruining all of my plans. Yes, he has some of the best lines. I mean, there's the whole the the coffee and the tea thing. 
at the beginning that we um, have already quoted. He has the great line about how Rolo copied his... Um, his goatee. His goatee. <laughs> yeah, we're still... So don't forget, was it the last book or like two books ago? Was it Morningstar? That was in Morningstar, yeah. In Morningstar, yeah. Rolo is the red that's helping them. He like impresses Victra. Yeah, he impresses yeah. Victra because he's real handy. And Severo's just like pissed the whole time that this red is like <laughs> yeah. has cool facial hair. <laughs> yeah. So he decides to grow uh, a goatee. So the whole exchange goes like this. He's actually talking to Theodora. <laughs> he says, where's your wand, Merlin? And she says, where's your wife, Savage? And then it says, she eyes the scalps hanging from the hook on his utility belt, hardly impressed. Vile. Have you gone full Ascomani, my dear? He says, please. The petty pirates copied me like Rolo with that goatee. <laughs> Like, can't let it go. <laughs> he has the great exchange with Pebble where they're talking about Darrow waking the storm gods. And he's talking to Mustang at the same time. He says, uh, he woke the storm gods. And Mustang says, he saved his army. Uh, so Mercurian lives don't count, he asks. More to me than you, I imagine. He shrugs. Pebble always wanted to surf. He glances over his shoulder. Didn't you, Pebble? And she says, that was Thistle, sir. He said, who? It's because Thistle's the <laughs> howler that was a traitor and went to the jackal side. So obviously you don't remember Thistle. <laughs> There's also a great part where he's just like fucking with Dancer and giving him a ton of shit. He says, hey, you did the deed. Syndicate probably took video too. All the good angles. <laughs> and Mustang just stares at him. He says, what? He literally fucked a terrorist. I can say what I want. Several. He also has a great exchange with Kavax there at the end of chapter 30. Oh, yeah. When Kavax is like, go get my cane. And he says no. And then uh, he goes and gets it. And then at the end, Kavax is like, oh, I don't need that. I was just <laughs> seeing if you would get it for me. <laughs> Kavax is like, ah! <laughs> and uh several laughs he's like crazy bastard <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's uh some of the many funny quotes if you're not rereading you should just to read those yes really. it's so amazing having several back we all need him and his quips his sarcasm in our lives again because there's nobody better than Severo in these books truth 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 what's up next uh, okay, there is so much Syndicate Queen foreshadowing going on in these chapters. What is it? Okay, so Mustang is like literally hanging out in her suite or whatever. She's looking at all the puzzles on her wall and she's like thinking right. about Adrius and she's like 307 puzzles or whatever. And then she's like 311. 311, yeah. And then she like the next line after that, she's like, once I solved all these puzzles and stuff like that, what did I think of him? What will I think of the Syndicate Queen when I figure out her puzzles? Well, you won't like them. Freaking right there. You won't like her puzzles. Yep. The escape tube is casually mentioned by her. Nice. Uh, and as the, well. the flower. Yep. Poison flower. And then we learn that the Duke of Hands was from Hysperia. So that's where he was like created in a breeding tube, was in Hysperia. Holiday then mentions directly after that, that's the place where Willis' ship went down. Is in Hesperia. Oh. Yeah. And then why can we next time Lilith's ship goes down, let's follow through 
and like right blow it up more. <laughs> yes, we need to do a checking o- check on that because like I don't know we have some pretty good safety precautions in all the other ships. Mm-hmm. You know, with like the netting that engulfs you and somehow nobody dies when the ships crash. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should check further next time. And then the last thing that I noticed was right before chapter 31, obviously we know what goes down the day of red doves when they're all talking in the ocular sphere, Kavax, Daxo, Severo, and Mustang. They're having an entire casual conversation about cloning. They talk yeah, about they cloning. Yeah, they talk about it a lot. Yeah, they talk about cloning Kavax. Um, having a little baby with a beard. Yes, which is hilarious idea. And that was much better than Abominatrius. <laughs> Too bad they didn't clone Daxo. And then he, uh, Severo also says, you know clones are creepy and all. Always something wrong with the human ones. Yeah, so also it's true. It's all right there, right in front of our faces. And Pierce is laughing at all of us. Pierce is sprinkling it in. Mm-hmm. Okay, next up, Prime 5. Uh, speaking of Kavax and that convo, he's just breaking our hearts. Oh my gosh. With the... the Convo with Mustang and then with Daxo right there. And he's saying, Daxo, you need a wife. I want grandbabies. (laughs) Yes. And I love, we just like learn so much about Kavax in like three pages, like how amazing he is and how. um, Also, thank God he didn't go with them because she invites him to go and he's like, I'm good with politics. We knew this about him already. He's a very smart man, but he kind of has this guise of just being like a little bit of a crazy person. But he like takes the veil down and then he gives this like really heartfelt speech to Mustang about how much he believes in her, how proud he is of her. Calls her his daughter. Yeah. And then just like you can see like he, you know, has genuine regret about doing some of the things that he did for Augustus and like following like Nero and following him for that long. And he also feels... Guilty for losing packs. Right. And it's just like, man, this dude's just like touching my heart at this point. And we also get... He's a big softie. I know. And then we get Daxo also like considering all this. He's like listening to all of it. And he's like considering his own life. And then No, well, first Daxo's like, well, that was emotional. I hope he's not dying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we get that great line from him. And then he's like thinking to himself like, oh. I could be a dad because I had such a great dad. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> well, you missed your chance, buddy. No, <laughs> you straight missed your chance. Oh man. Kavax just is amazing. I was just thinking about the way they chop his head off. It, it takes a long time. I'm having a really hard time with that. Next chapter. <laughs> yep, Can't wait. Okay. That takes us to the next item on the prime five list. This is just a grab bag that I put together of various information and threads that we've been following throughout all of our podcasts that we just want to touch on really quickly. Mm -hmm. So, Atlania is a weirdo. She's into erotophoniophilia. Do you know what that is? It's uh, getting turned on when people die. Yes, by murdering people. That's pretty weird. That sounds about right. (laughs) Yep. So, So, so it kind of goes with her snake thing. Yep. Good for Atlantia. There's also some more. Hacks mind's eye evidence stuff. I think there was some evidence for and against here. Okay. So first of all, we get a moment where Pax says he can hear heartbeats. He talks about hearing Freehild and Valdir's heartbeats when they're in the same room, they get faster. 
So that's one thing that's like, hey, maybe it does have the mind's eye. Interesting. So that's one thing that would kind of point towards maybe him having the mind's eye. But then there's a point later on in these chapters where Mustang is thinking about Octavia and she thinks about the mind's eye and she like kind of trashes it in her head when she's thinking about it. She's just like kind of thinks about it really flippantly. Brain hole. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like a positive thing at all when she refers to it. So you're saying that's a thing against it. I would say that's a thing against it because Mustang would have to like give the information from Octavia's vault to Pax. Right. Also, Lysander was kind of abused as a child in order to get the mind's eye. He had to like run blindfolded and like, you know, I don't think Mustang would raise her child like that. Right. Then I would say this is a pretty good set of chapters for our old holiday here. It is? Yeah, she's I mean, she's looking pretty loyal and pretty good she, in all she these. She always situations. looks pretty loyal. So interesting. I have nothing to say there. Also, we learn that we learned some personal history about Xenophon. Uh, they were a slave of Atlas Ara. Yep. Can we do some follow up, people? Can we follow up? Yeah. Maybe don't adopt his slaves because they probably still work for him. Maybe like, yeah, he's a real like, fucked up motherfucker and he's tricky. We know he's tricky. Maybe he still, uh, you know, is in contact with Xenophon. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of Quicksilver stuff where it's just basically like Mustang wondering, well, hey, what's he up to? And then we also get the robot thing where he's protected from, from, the blast. from the blast and his ears are protected. So it's like kind of a shielding thing. So that robot seems like it's probably pretty formidable little floating cube. Maybe I need one. It's an yep. orb. Orb, sorry. And also then, Mickey. Yes, we get we learned that Mickey has been missing for a month, probably out hanging out on the Oculus with Quicksilver. Making robot people. Yes. That's a lot of grab bag items. That's a grab bag. <laughs> grab bag of info <laughs> yep. from... Ben, yours truly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last on our Prime 5, of course, this week just proves again and again that Mustang is a badass. She's just smarter than everyone. When she's uh, casually hanging out, she strokes the night lily. I thought that was insane. Well, she has to get it used to her touch. A st- <laughs> know if that's a thing she, she has was, to practice being gentle with she it. was petting like a extremely deadly and painful plant like it was a house cat and while she was thinking she's just like absentmindedly thinking stroking a, a really poisonous plant that's pretty fucking badass well she's uh she has she's dexterous so she knows how to stroke a flower <laughs> also yeah she has a great line where mustang is talking to Theodora. She's about to enter the interrogation cube for the first time. And Theodora's like, you need these smelling salt things to make sure you don't react to the pheromones. And what does she say? Mustang says, please, this horse rides for only one man. <laughs> amazing line. Just an amazing line. But then we know when she's being tortured later, she starts having some weird thoughts. Do you think she had that this horse rides for only one man line just like teed up like she had that she's been waiting to say that for a while? I think she says it often. Oh, okay, this isn't the first like, time. You know, if men ask for her hand mm-hmm. in sexual relations, <laughs> she says no. This horse rides for only one man. It's probably like she's got a little tattoo of it. Do you think she said it to Cassius? 
<laughs> I don't think she had the chance. <laughs> you know, it was kind of obvious what was happening. Well, maybe like after the whole thing with the sovereign where they killed her, he's like, hmm, hmm. Yeah, she's like maybe. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, this horse rides for one maybe. And she's like, I already have a child with <laughs> this one. <laughs> so. Yeah, so, okay. That was this week's entry in Mustang as fucking badass. Uh, yeah, and she also we didn't talk about, of course, that she outsmarted everyone and knows everything that's going on, except for a few key things, mostly that the Pachelbel birds are spying. Right. That's her main mistake. Yep. And so that's a great segue into our next segment. So now that we've finished our prime five, it's time to name our primus of the week. Where we choose the one character who conquered our proctors of plot and rose above the rest. Our promise of the week is Mustang, uh, Virginia, uh, <laughs> Augustus, uh, Sovereign. <laughs> See the previous five minutes of podcasting for reasons why. Oh, you don't want to repeat or it? Or just like see, like listen to the entire podcast. Also, she mentions that her legs aren't as good <laughs> as they used to be, mm. but that she's much more formidable opponent now mm-hmm. i'm sure she still has great legs that's what i was thinking <laughs> although she's not like out riding her horses as much because she has to sit in that uncomfortable pillowless right. chair i think she has to skip leg day every once in a while you know i think if she had done more leg day maybe she could have fought off more mobsters fair but we'll never know Daxo didn't skip leg day, and he still got <laughs> so you never know. Okay, next up, it's our Howler Q&A and voicemails. Do we have a voicemail? We do. This first voicemail is from our friend Dominic. Okay. Let's hear it. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Dominic Alinelli. I uh, just want to say love the podcast. Uh, love the voicemail thing so far. This is awesome. Uh, two quick questions. What would be your gold name other than just first name, Al, last name, because that's boring? And second, what do you think is worse, the red wedding scene in Game of Thrones or the end of Golden Sun? Let me know. All right. Bye. Okay. So thank you for the question, Dominic. Thank you for all the voicemails. We actually got a few voicemails from Dominic, so you guys will probably – be hearing from Dominic for the next few weeks. You guys can be as cool as Dominic and leave a voicemail for us at 1-800-516-1540. I've killed enough time now that I've thought about my gold name. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go first. My gold name would be Perseus because I love old school Clash of the Titans and that mo- it's a movie. Yeah, I've seen about it. Greek god uh, or Greek demigod. His name is Perseus. It's great. Um, so I'm gonna take his name because I love that movie. Perseus. Ah, uh, and then I want to be part. I want to be like. I want to be in the Bologna family. So I'm gonna be Perseus Ah uh, Bologna. Uh, okay. Yeah. Then mine would be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So have you seen the Mummy movies? Yes. So. I used to love. We're talking like 1999. Yeah, like Brandon, Brandon Fraser. Fraser. Hell yeah, I love so those. So I watched those so much, and I tried to learn Egyptian, and I, <laughs> I like practiced the uh, fight scenes between the women. Yeah. 
because I thought it was really sexy. <laughs> Anyways, that's my reasoning for... I'll, I'm going to be Nefertiti. Oh, that's good. Who's... Uh, a queen of Egypt, right. and it also means a beautiful woman who has come. Ah, <laughs> uh, because I'm a gold, obviously. Right. And uh, so Nefertiti, ah, uh, Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> Beyonce for obvious reasons. Also, the way she swings a baseball bat is also sexy. Also, she's probably like I bet the, you know like the Carters became part of the conquering. Like they were, you know, they're basically. Already conquering. Yeah, they're part of the conquerors right well, now. Well, she also just released that whole Adidas line. <laughs> yeah. So her stock just went up nice. higher. So I'm trying to like jump on that ship. Okay. So Perseus Abalona and Nefertiti Abiance. Those are pretty good names. I so feel like. wait, you're a gold now? What happened to you? You just asked what my gold name would be. Oh, I thought it was like what your name would be. No, I said what your gold name would be. Because you used to be a blue. How you've changed. <laughs> I see you've been carved. <laughs> okay, then what's worse, the red wedding in Game of Thrones or the end of Golden Sun? The red wedding. I would say I had a similar reaction to both. I had a more violent reaction to the <laughs> end of <laughs> to that to red wedding. The red wedding, yeah. Yeah. So, I would say that one's worth, but it's it's barely. The Golden Sun ending really just had me like extremely mind fucked because I thought that book was going to end happily. Yeah. And well, that one I was like, oh, okay, fuck. Yeah. But the Red Wedding, I was like weeping during it (laughs) and then it kept going. Like at least the end of Golden Sun, it like happens and you're kind of shocked and then you're like, well, but you don't really know like about the box yet or anything. Yep. The worst part about Red Wedding is it just keeps going. Right. And then the fucking... I don't want to ruin it. I'd also experienced the Red Wedding before I had read Golden Sun. So like I had read the books, Game of Thrones books, prior to reading Red Rising and right. Golden Sun. And so like I'd been through it before. And so my first experience with like such shocking twist and betrayal like that was the Red Wedding. So it, it is always going to be like the one thing that hit me the, the deepest. But it's close. The first cut is the deepest. <laughs> yes, exactly. Especially when it's across your throat. <laughs> Thanks, Dominic. Those are some great questions, Dominic. Um, let's go to our next voicemail. This one is from Rachel. She has some thoughts on our friend Daxo. Oh. Hey there, Howler number two and three. Um, this is Rachel B. That's my Instagram. Instead of 
like loving Mustang. So that's why I thought that their whole relationship was super platonic because all this time I thought he was into guys. So what do you guys think about that? Love you guys. Awoo! Awoo! <laughs> Thanks, a, Rachel. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, first of all, Sailor Mars. Fuck yes. <laughs> Do you see my face? I was like, ah, <laughs> yes. Sailor Mars. Yes, Rachel. I wish you could have seen. Fighting evil <laughs> by the moonlight. Winning love by daylight. I wish you could have seen Aaron's face light up when you said Sailor Mars. Yeah. <laughs> love it. All right. So what do you think about that? Daxo possibly gay. I So this I'm getting this info from something Mustang also said and informed me, but Golds are very fluid, and I'm not sure that Daxo is gay or straight. I think he's probably both, because they're more evolved species yeah. of human. I, I think that's a great point. Maybe he is like seducing people for votes. It would definitely work on me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not like into Mr. Clean, but like I would be into it. Like if all I had to do was vote. I mean, the way they described him in that toga. Do you hear my Mr. Clean joke? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was pretty good. I'm going to tattoo some angels onto my Mr. Clean paper towels over here. I would say I would agree with Aaron. I I think, first of all, I have no clue. But um, second of all, I would say he's probably pretty sexually fluid. He also kind of seems asexual to me. Like, based on what Mustang described him as being more interested in, like, intellect than relationships. Yeah. You know, I think I'm not sure that he cares that much, except now he wants a kid. Yeah. Um, I would probably lean more towards that too. Like he's just like kind of not really sexually motivated in any way. I could definitely see what you're pointing out there, Rachel. That's a good point. And he definitely may use his big toga arms to, you know, <laughs> like seduce people. <laughs> you know, I like toga arms. <laughs> if uh, the Witcher has anything to show for it. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel and Dominic. Those are great voicemails. Please, everyone, keep sending them. Yeah, keep calling in. Um, we've got a few from Rachel and Dominic, so you guys probably hear from them again. Uh, if you want to hear your voice on the podcast, once again, call our voicemail, 1-800-516-1540. Ask a question. Explain a theory. Do it. Whatever you want to do. All right, let's move on to a Haller Q&A question real quick. We got an email in from Rebecca Clayton. What's up, Rebecca? She says, in Chapter 20 of Dark Age, Daxo and Mustang are discussing Severo. Daxo says, I don't know if he's ever read a book. Let's assume Severo has read some books. What do you think his favorite book is? Oh, man. (laughs) It's got to be like Calvin and Hobbes cartoons. (laughs) That's not bad. I'm just trying to think. I'm thinking if he's read any kind of book, it's probably like a book on like, I don't know, like how to make a knife or something, you know, like. Or like woodworking for <laughs> beginners. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to read a book on personal hygiene. Yeah, those That's these are the list of books that he <laughs> hasn't read. Um, What would he have read a book about? Maybe it's one of those like adult coloring books, but it's all wolves. Hmm. 
I don't think that counts <laughs> for reading a book. <laughs> but yeah, maybe he has the shape of a book. Maybe he's read. Yeah, I would say if he's read anything, it's like a book about wolves, right? Like a scientific kind of like book about wolves and how they work. Maybe no, because he 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 just kills them. He's just like inherently under the pack leader. <laughs> he inherently understands that. You think he didn't have well, to read he is that? A, he is a wolf. That's true. He's so. kind of yeah feral like that. Um, I liked mine. I liked Calvin and Hobbes. That's if I were Severo, that's what I would be looking at. I'm gonna say Rudyard Kipling's Jungle Book because he's kind of like Mowgli. <laughs> he is. <laughs> I bet Mowgli smelled better though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, you know what it's time for. What are we into this week? I'm into a cartoon show. It's on Netflix. It's called Disenchantment. It actually came out in 2018, and there's two seasons now. But I just started watching it like three months ago. The producer who produced The Simpsons and Futurama is who produced this one. Right, yeah. And it's about this uh, princess who likes to drink with her friends and burps and she kills people (laughs) (laughs) accidentally a lot. And uh, she has a best friend who's a demon and her other best friend is an elf. So it seems like kind of like the Simpsons or Futurama set in like a fantasy world. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, I don't know. It's cute. I like it. It's probably offensive. I'm not offended. It's um, probably <laughs> offensive. It's great. It's probably our, that's like our podcast. If, if you're one of those people, <laughs> it could be offensive. Um, but it's a great like 30 minute episode, short, fun type watch, like not serious. Watch. Love a 30 minute show. Yeah, it is uh, chronological though. You can't just jump in. There are like some storylines. Yeah, but it's good. You should check it out. It's on Netflix. Disenchantment. Ben, what are you into? I'm into another movie. It's called Parasite. This is my favorite movie of 2019. If you have not watched Parasite, go out and find it. It's available on iTunes right now. Buy it. Don't rent it. Buy it. It doesn't even matter. Like Spend the extra $10. Why? Because it's worth it. But you could rent it. You can't rent it yet. Oh. It's only available to buy. Is it a scary movie? No. It's not scary at all. Um, It's kind of a thriller but also kind of like... Wait, is this quote not scary like that movie Life? Because that was fucking scary. No, it's not like okay. that at all. Um, it's like a thriller, but it's also kind of like comedy. And then it's also kind of like tragedy. Um, it's really good. Um, kind of addresses like class differences between poor and rich. I will tell you it is subtitled on Korean, but don't worry about that. Like... Five minutes into the movie, you're not even thinking about that. The actors are so good, and the story is amazing. There's like a left turn about an hour in where you're just like, holy shit. And then the last hour of the movie is completely bonkers. You don't even really know what, need to know what the story about if you want like a quick synopsis. Basically, I'll just tell you it's kind of about a local, lower class family in South Korea kind of infiltrating the lives of a very rich family in South Korea. Okay. And um, it's so, so good. I hope it wins Best Picture at the Oscars. Go see Parasite. Amazing. Cool. Yeah. So it's Parasite, the movie, and Disenchantment, the cartoon. All right, Aaron. What are we doing next week on Hallerpot? Chapters 31 to 35. Uh Uh-oh. Bring your Kleenexes.
or like B vitamins. And your puke buckets, maybe? I puke don't know. buckets? Or like puke yeah. bag? Get a good night's sleep <laughs> yeah, beforehand. Get, get eight just hours. So you're like emotionally not right. like extra, you know, ragged. <laughs> uh, anyways, don't forget to follow us, HowlerPod, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, get some merch. Email us at howlerpod at gmail.com and visit the website, howlerpod.com. Leave a voicemail, 1-800-516-1540. Ask a question. Talk about who your favorite uh, actor is. Is it The Witcher, Henry Cavill? (laughs) Weird. That's cool. Me too. Tell us what your gold name would be. What's your gold name? And uh, I kind of want to change mine to Witcher uh, Cavill. Because then, (laughs) you know, I'm just like in. (laughs) And uh, tell a friend about the podcast, spread the word, and share the word about the books. Please, five stars only, rate and review us. If you don't give us five stars only, I will decapitate you and put your body in a fish tank till it disintegrates, but your head will be left. You'll have to watch your body get eaten. I just want to say one quick thing before we leave here. You guys are doing an amazing job telling people about the podcast. So keep getting messages like all the time about it and about spreading the word about the books. So it's amazing. Keep that up. Keep sending those messages into us because I love seeing them. Also, um, we've gotten a couple really awesome reviews. So if you're one of the people that wrote those, thank you so much. Thank you. Five stars only. They fill our hearts with joy. And we love And we're winning. <laughs> we're winning because it's five stars only. <laughs> and we might need some joy, you know, next week. Yeah, we're, we're going to need a podcast. So I'm going to need those endorphins. If you want to drop a five star review and help us get through the day of red does, we would be very appreciative. All right. Thanks, Howlers. Omnisphere lupus. Oh. Oh.